Hi, welcome to the MICU Hello. podcast. I am Tyler and this is Travis. Hi. <laughs> Alright guys, today what we want to talk about is some of the things that me, me and Travis have been wondering and pondering about for a little bit. Some uh, of the changes. Some changes that have happened to our field quite rapidly within the past couple of months, you know, dealing with COVID-19, other stuff like that. Uh, we are paramedics in the state of Texas and several rules have changed and as EMS educators and people trying to teach other people how to do their jobs and everything else like that, it's kind of hard with all these new changes. Literal policy changes within minutes and or days of each other. Going for where you only put N95 masks on your patients, on you and your patients if they had TB, to going wearing N95 masks the whole shift for 24 hours until you hit a COVID patient just to be on the safe side. Wearing iPro, gloves, and N95 all the way. Innovating under plastic sheeting. What else am I not thinking of here? Innovating through plastic sheeting. Uh, having your patient step outside to ask them these questions out in the open air. Mm-hmm. Standing six feet away when you start talking to your patient. No Which nebulizer, is, CPAPs. No nebulizer, no CPAP for difficulty breathing. Thinking about giving your patient high flow of oxygen while having them lay on their stomach on the stretcher. Yeah, forgot about that one. And with on the EMS side of it is going from straight clock hour course where... You have to be in the classroom with your instructor doing skills and everything else like that to being forced at home doing everything through a computer and with no availability of doing hands-on skills and or clinical. Right. Which I know here in Texas, nurses got their clinicals to go online within a week of the mandate of mandate of staying at home. Where it took us uh, another full month and almost a month and a half. Uh, order was just issued on April 22nd and now offer virtual clinicals um, and lab practice as well. So that's something that we're going to have to work on ending now in the future. I don't know what other colleges are doing at this time. Alvin Community College is still not allowing us back on campus. Um, so it's still impossible to do small group labs. Um, most of our affiliates right now are saying that they are not allowing students to come. So in-person clinicals are still out. Um, so we're going to be looking at the implementation of virtual clinical. And here's a good question for you, Tyler. How comfortable would you feel having a paramedic come to work for you knowing that they had done their entire capstone virtually? No hands-on. So with me, EMS is horrible about eating our own. Uh, I know as a few departments that I work for, FTO periods are very short before paramedics release on their own. Mm-hmm. And other places, it's a very lengthy process to become a fully credentialed paramedic in some of these places. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depends on how confident that paramedic is. And hopefully they got all their practices and skills before they went through capstone and everything else like that. Right. It's going to be a challenging time where we have EMS providers on the street that have less hands-on experiences than what we're used to and more more time behind the computer than anything else. Yep. More test-oriented paramedics instead of actual hands-on skills. Lots of book learning, no street now. Which is probably not a bad thing, but it's not a good thing either. It's just a thing. They Yeah, so they're definitely going to get... Um, a larger amount of the kind of knowledge, um, deeper learning of like A&P and pharmacology and things like that. Um, stuff that we, I don't want to say breeze through, but um, you know, we hit it a little bit in the classroom and then they take the test and then pretty much your 
pharmacology knowledge drops down to just your like ACLS drugs and things like that. So now they're getting inundated in uh, portions of the class that normally wouldn't take quite as long to make up for all that time that we're not spending in the lab. Uh, so with you being a supervisor, would that make you feel uncomfortable knowing that a paramedic graduated and had spent a good portion of their time just doing virtual stuff? Or uh, No, not really, because either way it takes is when you get your first get your patch, you need to be FDO'd and taught mm-hmm. within your department. Also, you don't learn how to be a paramedic and paramedic. I hate to say it that way, but we give you the knowledge, but the ability to go on calls, assess the patient, figure out what's going on, and being a detective out in the middle of the field where you could have any number of things going on, like wildlife inside the house. Uh, going just today, me and you went out to that DOA out in the middle of the woods. True. Yeah. So that would have, if it had turned out to be, besides the unique challenge. A unique challenge, which... A paramedic on the street takes a while to learn how he's going to deal with that and everything else like that. So becoming a paramedic is a two to three years after you get out of school to be a decent one. Gotcha. So basically what you're saying, no matter how good the paramedic school, there's things you learn out on never get because experience with running a variety of different calls. Sum up and Yeah, that's very true. And me and you both had these situations before where we've been by ourselves on calls and just not having a cohesive plan right off the bat to go along with it and that comes with time whenever you hear someone stuck in a rice silo okay what's my what's the dangers here my what's gonna be my plan of execution all the way through that mm-hmm. a good paramedic all on the way to a call will think what's the worst case worst possible case scenario how he's going to mitigate the risk to him and his crew and how he's going to treat the patient in the most effective way and be flexible enough to change his plan 180 degrees completely opposite of that mm-hmm. when it comes time to it we've all been there like we've all went up got dispatched out to a lift assist that ended up being cpr in progress yeah i know i definitely have had that i'm pretty sure you have as well. so being able to think on the fly being able to um apply your knowledge in a real world situation i got you so so with my saying this paramedics do need a capstone to get this experience and us as supervisors and other paramedics that are in the training spots need to understand in the next maybe month a year and coming up is that some of these paramedics don't have enough don't have the same experiences and or educational opportunities because of social distancing and everything else like that where they might not have seen on their clinicals how to innovate in the back of the truck figuring out the best way to do it i'm a bigger guy i innovate with that heads up like Patients at a 30 degree angle, I innovate like that. Mm-hmm. If I can't get the head up, I'm using the King Vision. I love the King Vision. I love video laryngoscope, but that's a whole different can of worms right there. <laughs> okay. So let's see. Earlier we were talking about um, some of the uh, new challenges that we're facing with the different PPE requirements. Um, <coughs> what are some of the things that you've seen here uh, working? much more frequently than me and the front lines of COVID. <coughs> Some of the changes that you've seen come out since all of this has started <laughs> from the beginning now to the... So, some of the new newer uh, guidelines that I've seen coming out is innovating underneath a plastic sheet, BVMing and having other peop- other things underneath a non-permeable barrier while you do the work. Uh, wearing full gowns, masks, eyewear if possible, uh, 
COVID patients and being aware how much PPE you have on your truck at all times and being ready to restock at a moment's notice after our call. Very important. Are you guys allowing family members in the trucks or has that been discontinued? So right now we strongly advise family members to stay at home. We will get contact information from them Mm -hmm. and let the hospital know. But if a family member is adamant about going with the patient, we, we let them right up front, but we notify them that it's up to the hospital if they're going to be allowed inside. And mm-hmm. I know most hospitals are out here, as if the patient is not underneath the age of 18, there's, then there's no visitors inside. And I know I watched a documentary online a couple of days ago about New York, oh, yeah. of how um, very orthodox Jewish religions are having uh, calling lines for nurses so that people that are about to die can get the last rites part of, within accordance with their religious beliefs, which is I think is a really... Great and wonderful idea. I'm curious. I wonder how um, how much is the uh, the practice of certain people. For instance, my sister's pregnant. Uh, she was just asking me the other day if I thought this would be going on for the next few months in terms of uh, seeing restrictions at the hospital. Um, just because she's now thinking that if it's going to keep going on for a little while, then she might want to look into home birth, which is want to go to the hospital to have a baby when, one, you have a higher possibility of encountering someone with COVID in the hospital. And two... Um, she doesn't want to be in there by herself. Nobody does for something like that. So that's interesting, and I don't know how long the social guidelines are. Nobody, uh, nobody will until it's over. Here at my station, we've we separated our trucks. We have a truck uh, temporary station at one of our volunteer firehouses, which thank 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 you, Alvin Volunteer Fire Department, for allowing that. Yeah, uh, but that's put a strain on people here. People aren't, can't, you know, talk and shoot the shit like they normally can. And me as a supervisor, I'm putting twice as many miles on my supervisor car, running supplies over and making sure they're taken care of. True, and doing twice daily temperature checks. Yeah, it is very important for us as providers to, if we're sick, to stay home. And, you know, I know here we're getting hazard pay uh, for a little bit. We got anything over 20 hours is considered overtime here for full-time staff. Now, that's interesting because I believe that was the last topic that we wanted to talk about. So, um, I know with all the Facebook groups that uh, I'm in and uh, different things like that, um, it seems to be a bit controversial. There's different posts going around, different protests, people saying that they deserve hazard pay because they work um, in this field, and then other people saying... This is what you signed up for, you know. I, I've, I've even seen, you know, medics and nurses and things like that posting things saying, this is what we signed up for. What What is your opinion? Is, is this what we signed up for, or do we deserve hazard pay for working at a time like this? So, truthfully, like, I don't really have a say on it. I mean, we're all very lucky as EMS professionals that we're considered essential staffing at this point in time. Correct. So, I am not hurting for money, and... Um, I can pay all my bills with my regular paycheck and everything else like that. It is nice that I am getting uh, extra benefit to working during this time, but it also would not put me in any danger of not working, of not being able to pay my bills without it. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm not a very good judge of character for this because I do believe that it's something that we we're we're paid to do a job. Do it if you get if you get hazard pay, it's nice for you, but it also depends on your employers and what they can afford. Right. Forcing a small service, like there's plenty of small services that are barely able to make payroll every month, a month, a month because of budget cuts and because of 
everything else like this going on that they might not be able to afford hazard pay. And I know a lot of a lot of medics out there will jump ship and go to a job that will pay them more money, but not necessarily take care of them. In true, no, I mean I I tend to kind of agree with you. Um, I I don't know that hazard pay is necessarily warranted or deserved in every case. Um, but it does kind of bring up a different issue. Do we get paid enough to do our job just on a regular basis? Now, in oh, that case, I would say... That's open air rooms right there. Right. Pandora's so box. I definitely think the EMS is underpaid um, nationwide, probably worldwide. I can't really speak for international services, but uh, nationwide, every job I've ever looked at, I really feel like it's few and far between to see a job that's really paying. It's worth for all the training and things that go through to do this job. Um, and so I think a lot of people are jumping on that bandwagon because they already feel like they don't get paid enough. So they see this opportunity to be like, yeah, hazard pay, we should get hazard pay. Well, it's a different issue. If you don't feel like you are getting paid enough to start with, that's not really hazard pay. That's just feel like you deserve more money. Um, as far as this, I mean, it's a health related issue and that's what we signed up for. You know, we knew when we took this job that we have the chance of encountering someone TB with AIDS, with, you know, whatever. And it's part of the job, um, so hazard pay, no. But do we should we be making more money for what we do? I, yeah, I'm definitely there. I feel like hazard would be something that's outside the lines of what we're trained to do or what we normally expected to do. Um, you know, for instance, if you worked in a bigger city and you signed on to be a SWAT medic, well, yeah, sure, hazard pay. That's outside the normal lines of what you generally would do. Um, but and it requires you to have extra training, extra gear, and be able to put down a whole lot more legalities than what a regular paramedic would. Right. This really hasn't changed anything about the actual service that we offer. We don't, you know... We take we, the sick and dying to the hospital. Right. And we and didn't provide immediate do, life care. We didn't have to do any... Um, extra training for covid other than just doing a little bit of ce to, figuring out what it was yeah just to understand what it was but it didn't change we didn't have to learn a new skill um or learn how to use a new piece of equipment um we just have to put on mask a little more often than normal put on ppe a little bit more often um you know it's not it's not outside of our general scope no and like i i agree that we should be paying more hazard pay is kind of a weird political thing because that's up to your department and or your city like luckily my city had went away went around it in kind of a weird way but thankfully we did get somewhat a hazard pay and everything else like that but it's not a constant thing and we're still not out of the woods by any neck of the, by any neck of the means or whatever the turn of the phrase is <laughs> words are hard but it comes down to us taking responsibility as paramedics we are Police officers have people's safety and laws that they need to abide by. Fire has fire safety and making sure that people's ours is public safety and health safety. Like this is this is where EMS can shine and show the real importance of us instead of going on social me media whining about our pay. We should be showing people that we are worth more than what they pay us. Right. Yeah. Because I do think that that definitely creates kind of a bad image. Um, if you want to get paid more permanently, not just whenever something like this pops up, um, then don't start whining about it whenever the opportunity to show your worth arises, you know? 
I, I do hope that that's something that we take out of this crisis, however, whatever you want to call it, um, that def people have seen the value of medical personnel. Um, and hopefully that extends to us. A lot of the times we get left behind for recognizing first responders. They don't always think about us as being first responders when people are recognizing medical professionals. They don't always think about us as being medical professionals. We're kind of trapped in the middle. Um, but I, I do think people are noticing uh, EMTs and paramedics more often. Um, one thing that has really surprised me is that in the midst of all this and with us even, um, with us doing all of this online courses and things like that. Um, I really, really thought that it was going to hurt us in terms of our enrollment at the college for the EMS program next semester. And we won't have final numbers for a while now, um, but we have been getting people still contacting us saying, hey, do you guys offer EMT class? Hey, is EMT class still going to be offered over the summer? And wanting to learn more about the profession uh, because they've seen us on TV, because they've seen us on the news and things like that. That's what that's what I'm getting from a lot of the uh, people. Too. So it's, it's looking like we're actually going to have a decent sized EMT class this summer, despite the fact that it's going to be distance learning. It, it, it's actually drummed up an interest in the profession. Distance learning EMT that that's a weird thought right there because how can you teach someone how to do hands-on skills which EMS is mainly known for through a mm -hmm. computer I'm not saying you can't be done I'm just saying it's, it's an interesting prospect well um, you know I haven't done it yet because the semester hasn't started uh, but I am in the process of planning um, an entire course for the summer so the the layout of it is going to be we will do lectures uh online lectures um i'm trying to compile as many video resources and as many uh pictures of different wounds and conditions as i can possibly find to give them as much visual as they can as they can get to see this kind of stuff um sitting at home um and then anytime we come to where they're learning about some sort of skill uh, i'll be making demonstration videos to show them at home how the skill goes. Now that'll be the first part of the course. What we're hoping is that towards the last few weeks of the semester, um, we'll finally be out of this and we can go back to school, we can start having labs and things like that. So uh, the plan for the summer is we're going to cram our normal amount of lectures into a shortened time period so that we will have time at the end of the summer when hopefully we're done with all this um, and we can go in and just do everything at once. They're just going to learn how to do all their skills at one time. That's the plan anyway. So the question, so I do have a question. So are the actual contact hours still the same for online learning as it is for in-person in class? <clears throat> because I know that uh, usually you had to be in class for four hours at a time from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., let's just say, for your ENT class. And that's every Monday, Thursday, or whatever. And then half of that would constitute you being in the lab, yeah. generally. Um, so the total contact hours for the course aren't going to change, but how we divide those contact hours up um, is going to be a little different. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to lecture for four hours every day. Some days I probably will, just like I said, to kind of cram that, um, that amount of lectures in a short amount of time. Uh, but some days it's it's going to just be a short lecture and then um, they're done for the day. Uh, and then we will make up that time later, hopefully at the end with the labs. 
Um, legally, we can't. The course is still considered the same course. It still has the same identifying number. It's EMSP 1501. Uh, so EMSP 1501 is uh, off the top of my head. I think it's the four-hour contact, 64 contact hour course. That won't change. We we can't change. Um, so it'll still be live lectures, just it will in, still in front be, of the computer. It will still be live lectures, just in front of the computer. And like I said, we'll try to make up that uh, face-to-face time later on. No problem. So, and so going back from the education part, which, you know, I know me and him, we're both educators. We love talking about education and how we can improve our EMS field via education. Like me and Chad, we both went through paramedic school. I love it. I love helping new students figure out what's going on with the body. But some of the new things that are going on, like in the state of Texas, um, a bill was passed. If things got worse with personnel and everything else like that being limited, that we could have non-certified drivers. So one medic, one non-certified person driving, like a police officer, firefighter, volunteer firefighter that's not EMT. Um, And also possibly having people that retired and don't have their shirt anymore because they let it lapse. Being able, within two years of it being lapsed, come back in. And start working Get their shirt renewed and reactivated. And coming back to work on the truck. We also, um, here in Texas, be allowing students who have finished their course but not successfully passed national registry um, work at the level of the course that they've just finished. So, for instance, if you have an EMT at your service who has finished paramedic school but has not passed the national registry, uh, they have the option of working as a paramedic if their medical director allows it. Which is an interesting thought. It's So, in the state of Texas... You, correct me if I'm wrong, but your medical director already had, had this power, but he would have to go in and teach. All this changes is that he doesn't have to come in and teach you a class. No, he just, just has just, to he, sign a piece of paper that yeah. says you're now a paramedic until this is over. So, which is an interesting thought about this. I'm, we hadn't done it at my service just yet. We've been lucky. None of our personnel has been affected by this. No, you guys don't have anybody here that's finished. But there's also... A lot of other services that this might benefit, like very small rural con- uh, counties services. Yep. That maybe only have three paramedics in the whole area, or one. So th- th- that'd be kind of interesting. And, uh, also having non-certified drivers. It's I understand that it's the last ditch effort for us to still have trucks going, but it's kind of scary. Just just think about rolling around solo by yourself on calls with no one to help you if you need it. Medically. Medically, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure a cop will have no problem throwing hands if you get an altercation. <laughs> I know our cops don't mind. Our cops know that if they call us out there and it needs it, some of our medics will throw hands real quick. A.K.A. Tyler Joe. Tyler Joe. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you that's something that I have a little bit of experience with, um, working uh, at Surfside like I do. Um, when I work down there, I'm the only uh, paramedic on duty. Anybody else there is uh, an officer who has been ECA certified, um, which, yes, they have been ECA certified. Do they remember anything about their ECA class? No, not really. They're police officers, and they're there to drive me wherever I'm supposed to. Um, So in in that case, I can tell you it it is a bit nerve-wracking because if you you ask them to do something for you, you can't just say, hey, bag for me or, hey, put a four-lead on. Because the next question is going to be, what's a four lead and where does it go? Or what how, are these wires? Yeah, 
Uh, so you, it's you have to elaborate on everything, every request that you make. You have to be very specific about what you want, um, and it sucks. Yeah, it sucks being the only medically certified person. Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, in any good paramedic or indoor medic worth their weight in anything should be able to go with the flow. I, you know, the old military saying shoot, move, and communicate. Be flexible. It still applies here. So that was it. Last question here. Um, I know we didn't discuss this, but one last topic. I'm just curious about your uh, opinion. So some states in the, in the U.S. right now are opening back up. Maps that I've seen, it looks like a lot are still staying closed and locked down. As far as Texas goes, uh, stay at home. Social order expires April 30th. So as of yet, whether or not the governor knew it or would expire. What, what do you think? Was, should, is, it, is it too soon? Is it Has it been too long? Or So the problem is, is I understand why people want to get out and about going. People are literally going stir crazy mad right now. But it comes down to we need still, you can start opening some stuff up. But be mindful that you still are at risk to catching something out there. That people say is not as bad as the flu. It's killed almost 50,000 people last time I checked. And that's in a month and a half. Comparative to the flu that kills 60,000 a year throughout a whole year. Right. Well, like, I understand that the numbers are exactly the same, but this is within a month and a half. Before. Right. And one thing that I don't think people understand, um, you know, is, is the mortality rate on this similar to the flu? Well, yeah, it's, it's not much higher than the flu. Uh, but the issue is that um, it's much more contagious, and it hangs out a, a lot longer uh, than the flu or a lot of other things. So, yes, the morbidity and mortality rate is at a certain percentage, and that percentage is fairly low. But when you look at the actual numbers, if you spread it much more virulently around than the flu, then the the death rate is going to skyrocket accordingly. Um, so getting back to the original question, is it is it too soon or has it been too long? Um, you know, I, I feel what you're saying. Yeah, people are very stir-crazy. Um, and is it doing damage to the economy? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, that's not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is the medical side of things. What I'm worried about is when we're doing these these partial openings of thing and, and um, things are supposed to start getting back to normal, but we're trying to still maintain some of the social distancing. Um, and I think what's going to happen is a sort of a, you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile type situation. As soon as this expires, people are have, who have been trapped inside, they're just going to throw caution to the wind. They're going to start having parties. They're going to start going out and doing all the things that they uh, haven't done before. I know that uh, the beaches in this area, once they opened the beaches up, the beaches were immediately packed, um, and uh, there's people just not following the social distancing guidelines, packing together, having been parties. And I'm afraid that that is what's going to happen in this area, is that when we give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And Oh, you haven't heard about Crystal Beach today, have you? Oh, I've heard about Crystal Beach. Uh, Apparently it looks like 4th of July down there right now. Well, I know uh, I got a call the day before yesterday asking if I could go out and work Surfside and uh, normally would not be the time period for me to go work Surfside. That's normally reserved for the summer. Uh, but apparently there's so many people down there that they feel that they need beach patrol out there. 
Um, beach and the <laughs> and the beach isn't even open up to vehicles. It's purely foot traffic, and there's so many people out there that they that they feel that they need to have a presence out on the. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm for social distance, but I'm also I'm also very introverted. So me staying in my house during my time off, okay. I mean, yeah, same. It's it's not been that big of a deal for me. Um, it's, but I would like the option to go out. I would like a haircut. <laughs> oh, y'all cannot see him, but his haircut is ridiculous. Uh, it's like a peacock and a rooster made a baby. Okay. Said. Crazy. <laughs> well, anyway, I believe that was all the topics we had discussed for today. You got mm. anything else? So, seen any good movies here lately? Hmm. Well... I think the only new movie that I've seen was I saw that Onward one because they, they hoped. Uh, yeah, no, I just saw I watched Birds of Prey on the Voodoo. How was that? It was interesting. I'm not a big fan of DC. Like, then another uh, movie. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kicking DC because there's a lot of fans out there and a lot of that. It's they haven't found their creative edge yet. Like it's either that they try to make it way too campy, George Clooney's Batman. <laughs> Or they try to make it too dark and, like, super serious. Yeah. Unlike, you know, Marvel that has found the edge of being campy, fun, lighthearted, and serious. Yes. You know, it's very interesting. We'll just have to see how uh, J.J. Abrams does with uh, Justice Dark. Have you heard about that? We're way off topic now. Uh, yeah. Do you know Justice League Dark? Uh, Isn't that where Justice League takes over the world? No, Justice League Dark is like if, uh, Batman and Constantine and... Uh, I forget that Constantine's DC. Yeah, and I don't remember the other ones. There's some of the more off-key ones, but they do like supernatural stuff. So, my question is, is Dean and Sam and Cassiel going to show up during the Justice League? I don't know, but that would be a, a badass crossover. It, it, it'd just be a very weird like cameo. Just You see they're just Black Impala just rolling around right behind the Batmobile. That would be very interesting. I would love to see that. <laughs> I mean, there's so many cameos and crossovers that you could do that would just be funny and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah, but I haven't seen any good movies here lately. I don't think anybody has. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of places are doing their movie releases on Voodoo and stuff like that. Yeah, I haven't... Um, like I said, I watched that Onward one because I know it went directly to Disney+. Plus. I don't know what else has gone directly... Yeah, I still need to go see the new Star Wars movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, the newer ones I hadn't been, like, super fanboy about. I mean, they're not bad movies. They just don't feel like Star Wars movies. To- yeah. I, I don't know if it's just the time differences in between them or what. They need to bring back Ewoks, for sure. They feel like Marvel to me. I mean, you can des- you can definitely tell that Disney owns the franchise because it's... It's like you were talking about earlier with the campy fun and serious yeah. thing. It's like they take that Marvel recipe and they just dump it into Star Wars. But in doing Star Wars, so... Star Wars is not a movie you can do that with. Yeah, in doing so, they just created a whole new thing. It's It doesn't... Yeah. It just doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. True. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anything goofy? Anything else like that? Hmm. Sorry. Cigar pause. Um, Cigar pause. Uh, FYI, we're smoking really janky cigars right now because of this whole safe place and being able to get good ones. Kind of irritating. For dollar twenty-five, it's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad, bad, but it could be so much better. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm a big, big cigar guy. Like, like bigger the cigar, the better. And these are like the 
Davila Cruz. They're like overrated cigarellos almost. Yeah. Almost. Like, I feel like I should have like one of those really long filters. Yes. Like the ladies back in what? The early Victorian age? I have been wanting to. For a while there, I had a whole outfit in my Amazon. Uh, I bought cart. a plague mask. You did buy a plague. No, I had this whole outfit in my Amazon cart that I was going to buy as a joke for my wife. Um, with like a king jacket and a, uh, what do you call it? A cravat. Oh, and um, then an, uh, ascot. an ascot. Yeah. An ascot. <laughs> and, uh, we're probably butchering the fuck out of that word because they're Texas. Yeah. Uh, and then one of those little cigarette holders and, uh, I was going to buy it just super preppy and joke around with him. And I was but like, this is way too much money for a prank. You should, instead of doing that, go find the, uh, pipe bait. Oh yeah. I've seen those. And do that and just go like super dude. Jesus. Hello, my darling. How you doing? Just like sit off in the corner. Like put all your animals on the bed. I might revisit the idea now that we're and sit outside and. Uh, well, so like yesterday, uh, I was joking around. Uh, the girl I'm talking to sent me a picture of her kid in a little kiddie pool. You know what? I thought about getting one just sitting out in my front yard and my EMS long and just have people judge me. Show me to do it. I'm chicken now. Do you have an EMS long? Huh? Do you have no, an EMS I need to go get me an EMS song. You definitely do. The problem is, is like if you toot, it'll just whistle. It's kind of embarrassing. Hit it. <laughs> as soon as we're done with this, I gotta get on Amazon and see if EMS song is even a thing. There's gotta be somebody out there selling them. There is. I saw them at conference. Yeah. Oh, interesting. EMS CEs. Yeah, there's nothing going on right now. Uh, I know here in, I know that a lot of RCs got canceled, like the in-person classes. We were going to do a cry class that got canceled. Well, two of the conferences that I was supposed to be going to have been canceled. Um, the Texas Ed- the Texas EMS Educators Summit is going to try to roll their um, roll their course into the next Texas EMS conference. They haven't figured out how they're going to do it yet, but probably be just be a pre-con. I think that's what they. Class. I think that's what they're trying to do. Is that it'll be a, a pre-conference course that you can register for, and since since my school already paid for it, we can roll our um, enrollment fees into Texas EMS conference. Yeah, I would like to go to conference this year, but that's if they're holding it. Yeah, they should, but I think it will. I don't know. People are saying that there might be a reemergence around wintertime. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Since the school paid for my entry fee to Texas EMS Educator Summit, I'm hoping that they will roll it into Texas EMS Conference. Since they paid for me to go last year, they wouldn't normally pay for me to go again, but they already paid for me to take this class, so I'm hoping they'll just roll that money over. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And if not, you know, what is it, 245 Is it? I don't know. I've never paid. <laughs> Every time I've gone, somebody else has paid. I wouldn't mind paying this year and going by myself, but problem is I'm one of the three supervisors. So. Yeah, dude, you should though, because it's gonna be in um, Fort Worth again. So there is a Pete's right in front of the hotel. Well, it's the hotel that I stayed at. There's a bunch of them there, but um, the one that I stayed at, the Pete's was right in front of it. Like you just go out and go around the block, and it's it's right there. I mean, for sure, I mean you have to go out. Yeah. And then, no matter how drunk you get, you always stumble your way back to the hotel. Although, Ramel did get lost last year, leaving Pete's. The hotel was literally one block over, and he went in the opposite direction. Uh, last time I threw up, I threw up on another paramedic. 
Oh, Texas East Conference. Better times. Yeah. Can only hope that that and Texas Renaissance Festival are unaffected oh. by this. I'm going to be super I, upset. I am going this year. You have to hook up with us. We're going to set up our camp again. For sure. Oh, man. Well, well, thank you for listening to MICU Podcast. Hey, perfect timing. Looks like we got to go. Y'all have a great one.